Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. It is good to have you. If you're a visitor, welcome. I know on Visitor Sunday with VBS, you're coming in going, really? You made us split up in groups and pray with people that we didn't know? We believe in the power of prayer, not just from up here, that when we all pray together, God moves, amen? And so you saw a little glimpse. When Ryan kind of had you do that, you saw a little glimpse of what we believe is coming um, just with the kids, not just here at Reliance, but just across the city, um, across this nation. We just really feel like this power of prayer is moving. And so excited for what God is doing in that. It was such a tremendous week. Um, and I just, again, I want to say thank you for helping out with that. I don't know if you saw in, in the video there, um, I had a, a chance to help with games. And did you see where all those kids were in the hula hoops? I want you to know, you can fit. 10 fourth and fifth graders in one hula hoop. I want you to know that. And it started off where we were like, let's look like it's circle of friends. We'll make it like circle of friends. It became the circle of the death trap. I'm just saying right now. You saw a little boy being drugged. What you didn't see is a little girl being drugged. By, and I was like, this is horrible, Ryan. Why'd you come up with this game? All right. But it was such an amazing week. We had so much fun. And all week long, the kids learned um, the theme of all of VBS, which is that God is good. Okay. All week long, that was the theme, that when life is scary, God is good. When life changes, God is good. When life is unfair, God is good. When life is good, God is good. And so in their hearts, what we wanted more than anything else was we believe, and we believe this to the core, that if these kids can get that down, if they can understand this core theme that God is good, that he is good through all life, through all things, that God is good, we know that no matter what happens in their life, they're going to run to his goodness over the world. Amen. And so that's our heart. That's where I believe more than anything, I think these kids gravitated. I think they grabbed hold of that. And so today, I really don't feel like it's just for the kids to learn that. We're going to deviate for just a minute from our First John study. We'll get back to that next week. We've been working through First John. But today, I want to talk about the goodness of God. Because I don't think it's just for the kids. I believe it's for us today. I believe that if we can grab hold of this identity of the goodness of God, it radically changes our lives. How many of you guys, and let me just kind of show you how this plays out just a minute. How many of you guys have ever read um, the book, A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens? Anybody? All right, like 10, 10 people. Awesome. And so there's a famous uh, quote in that book that it opens up with where it says, it was the best of times and it was... Like, we all know it. It was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. And that's kind of how God's goodness is sometimes in our life. We feel like sometimes it's the best of times, but yet at times it feels like it's the worst of times as well. And yet God's goodness is interwoven in the best of times, and his goodness is in the worst of times. I got a little taste of this on the opening night of VBS the day before. Pastor Tara said, hey, Aaron, if we get 200 kids pre-registered, would you sleep on the roof? And I was like... Absolutely, not knowing that that would happen, right? And, and, and so that night, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to show up at 9 o'clock at night. I'll just sleep on the roof. It'll be a nice sleep on the roof. I'll get up in the morning, go home. It'll just be an easy, easy day, right? Easy time. I want you to know it was the best of times. It was the worst of times, all right? And here's why. Every 30 minutes, somebody else showed up to mess with me, all right? Me and Aaron Avila, we were sitting there. It was about 10 o'clock watching. It was the best of times, man. We were watching the moon. It was a full moon. It's like, isn't that beautiful? And all of a sudden, fireworks start shooting towards us, all right? And I want you to know, then, then after the fireworks came, 30 minutes later, 200 water balloons, all right? And at first, it was just one balloon, and it goes, tink, you know? And I was like, oh, big deal. Somebody threw a balloon. And then it was like rain. Tink, 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 tink. My, my bed was wet. I had a water bed up there. It was awesome. 
And so the whole time, like throughout the whole night, I'm going, this is the worst of times. This is the worst of times. And then the best of times came. All of a sudden, this car pulls up. It's probably midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, whatever it was. And I see this guy get out of his car, and I'm spying because I'm like, who is it? Who is, who's here to mess with us? And this guy comes out, and he's got a pizza in his hand. He's walking around. He's a Domino's guy. He's like, pizza, pizza. And I, I go, we're up here on the roof. And he goes, I know, all right? It was the best of times in that moment. People brought Snickers bars, people brought candy, all these kinds of things. And I will say that during the fireworks display that was going on, I really felt like the Lord gave me good aim and I hit Lance Miller in the stomach with a firework. So I'm just saying, he's not hurt, he's okay, don't try that at home, but God loves me. I'm just saying. But in that moment, I remember there was no sleep, and I remember just laying there going, man, I woke up. I say I woke up. I got up the next day off of the roof, and I got home, and I was just, I felt like I got hit by a truck. And in my mind, I was literally going, oh, man, I feel like I've been wrecked. It was the worst of times. But then I remembered that night, and I was like, but it was the best of times as well. That's how God's goodness works in our life. There are seasons in our life where we feel like we've been absolutely wrecked. There are circumstances that come. There are challenges that come. There are moments in our life where we feel like, man, nothing else could go wrong. It's just, just bad. It's just bad right now. And yet in that moment, God is still good. And on the other side of it, there are seasons where life is just good. Everything just feels like it's smooth sailing. And in that moment... Life is still good. Growing up in the church, and we say it in here a lot of times, there's an old saying where we would say, God is good, and you guys would repeat. And we would say all the time. And we would do this back and forth. And what we're trying to say in that moment is no matter what, God is good. Well, let me ask you, I wonder how many times we say that saying, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. If there's not a person or two or a handful of us in this room going, I just don't know if he is good all the time. Like in my heart of hearts, I, I, I don't know if I can truly say that. And I'm wondering if for some of us in this room today, sometimes we feel like if we were just being honest with ourselves, that we would go, I just don't feel like God is good all the time. And so today when we talk about this, I just want to be honest with you guys today. Outside of coming to faith in Jesus Christ... And that's the start. Outside of coming in and saying yes to Jesus and, 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 and following him, outside of your salvation in Jesus, I would say this, that maybe the most foundational teaching that we need to learn and grow in as we grow in Christ is that God is good all the time. The goodness of God is good all the time. It does not waver with our circumstances. It does not waver when we feel like we've been wrecked. It does not waver when things aren't going our way. It does not waver when everything is excellent. That if we could learn one thing, that after we come to Jesus and we give our life to Christ, that if we could just learn one thing, God is good, it would radically change our life. It would change the way you get up in the morning. It would change the way you perceive life. It would change everything about your day if we would just buy into this in an honest way of saying, foundationally, God is good. And I'll tell you why. How you view the goodness of God is important because it affects everything in your life. You will always look through the eyes of how you view the world, how you view God. If you understand the goodness of God, it affects everything in your life. It affects your outlook on life. It affects your perspective on things that happen in your life. That's why it's so transformative. That's why all through Scripture, you'll see this, and we're going to navigate through this a little bit. All through Scripture, you hear about the goodness of God. In fact, in, in, in Psalm 63, 3, um, the psalmist addresses this. He says, your loving kindness, which is just another term for God's goodness. Your loving kindness is better than life. 
Like your goodness, God, is, is, is better than life. Like, don't get me wrong, Lord, I, I like life, but your goodness is so much better than that. And the psalmist is trying to tell us, no matter what it is that you're in right now, if you would just see the goodness of God, it's better than life. Here's the problem, though. The problem is whenever bad stuff happens in our lives, it affects our perception of God's goodness, doesn't it? You ever felt wrecked? You ever felt like God came in and, or, or life came in and just absolutely slapped you down? And in that moment, you're not looking up there going, oh, God, you're so good. It affects your perception of God. We start to ask those questions of why do bad things happen and, and why is there pain and, and why is there tragedy? If God is so good, why is there tragedy? Maybe you're here this morning because you've experienced or right now you're experiencing a deal of suffering in your life and you've asked that question, is God good? Like, is, is, is God really good? Is, is, is God good all the time? Graham Cook, I was reading a thing uh, Graham Cook had wrote on this, and, and he says something that I thought was very interesting. He says, a key part of learning is the understanding of what we need to unlearn. Sometimes we grow up associating God, that he's this God that's after me, this God that has a finger that he's pointing at me, a God that's angry with me all the time, a God that somehow I'm trying to get into his good graces. Like we grow up and we learn this at times that somehow I'm trying to get into God's good graces. We've, we've built this mentality in our life that God may be good, but I've got to try to somehow earn his goodness. Otherwise, God is up there and he's angry and he's just shooting lightning bolts down at me, right? And so Graham Cook goes, it's like, we've got to unlearn that. And so what happens with that is we allow fears to come in with God. Not like healthy fears, not like, oh, I'm just in awe of God. I'm talking fears of going, I'm afraid that if I get out of God's goodness, that he's going to start sending lightning bolts, that somehow I've got to earn my way in it. And so Graham Cook says this, he says, unless we know that God is good, listen to this, unless we know that God is good, we will have conflict between our knowledge of God and our capacity to trust him. We will have conflict between our knowledge. I know God. The Bible says he's good. I've got a knowledge of him. I just don't know that I can trust him. The goodness of God is huge. Outside of that salvation in Jesus Christ, it is the pinnacle of the believer to believe that he is good. That he's for you and not against you. So learning, he says, starts with seeing God through a new lens who God is for us, and therefore who we are becoming in him. Some of us in this room, we need to unlearn some things about how we perceive God. Some of us in this room believe that somehow we can fall out of God's goodness. He's good, but I'm just not a part of that list. We've made God kind of like Santa, right? <laughs> we're on the naughty list or we're on the good list. Some of us perceive God in that way, and that's why in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, they say, lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on my own understanding, but in all of my ways, I will trust and acknowledge him, and he, somebody say he, will make my paths straight. Notice what that scripture says. If I lean into my own understanding, then when I lean into my own understanding, the tendency that I have in my own understanding is negative. The tendency that I have in my own understanding, when there's something in my life, when there's a circumstance in my life, when life is unfair, when life is scary, when, when life changes, all the things that the kids learn, when I see those things in my life, the tendency when I'm leaning on my own understanding is in a negative tendency, something I did wrong. Just life doesn't like me, God doesn't like me. I have a tendency to go to a negative reaction. And then I start asking the whys. Like, why God? 
Why did this happen? Why did this happen? Why did this happen? Why, why, why? And those whys are something that I'm probably never going to figure out. I don't know. I don't know why that happened. I don't know why tragedy came. I don't know why good things or bad things can happen like that. I don't, I don't understand all those things. But what I do is when I try to lean on my own understanding, I'll never figure out the whys. And when I can't figure out the whys, that leads me deeper and deeper and deeper into desperation. And then rather than seeing God's goodness, I only see my desperation. And I'll never get out. Anybody ever feel like that? You don't have to raise your hand. Anybody ever feel like that? The goodness of God is when we acknowledge him. However, I'm going to acknowledge you, Jesus. I'm going to see you in this moment. I'm going to see, I'm going to lean into your goodness. In all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge you. I'm going to lean into, my, in, into your goodness. I'm not going to lean into my goodness because I'm not good. I'm going to lean into your goodness. In all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge your goodness that you bring. And I'm confident, according to your word, I'm confident that you're going to steer me down the right path. And it's going to be for my good. Amen, church. So my hope today is this. This is what I want to get you to. I want to get us to this place, this foundation. My hope today is that we buy into and we lay a foundation of the goodness of God, that if we're going to survive in life, then we have to believe that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. It is the key point. It is the key point after salvation. It's the key point for us to experience God in our life. And here's the good news with, with, with the perspective that we come from as believers, you can't overdraw on the goodness, goodness of God. Amen? You can't overdraw. On the, there's no such thing as saying, I just have too much goodness from God. <laughs> like, no Christian ever says, no, God, seriously, stop lavishing your goodness upon me. And if you do, you, you got issues. I'm just saying, all right? We love you. We've got counseling for that. There's some issues. If you're out there going, stop it, God, seriously, stop giving me your goodness, we need to talk, Okay? Because we can't overdraw on the goodness of God. He desires it. He desires to give it to you, no matter where you're at in life. 1 John 3, 1 says, how great is the Father, how great is the love. The Father has lavished, somebody say lavished. Lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. This has always been the heart of God, to lavish things upon his kids. It's always been the heart of God. The definition of lavish is to bestow something in generous or extravagant quantities. He doesn't want to just give you a little bit of his goodness. He doesn't want to just give you a little bit of his kindness. He doesn't want to give you just a little bit of his love. He wants to lavish it upon you, and it never runs out. The goodness of God is one of the few things, if not the only thing that we read about in Scripture that we're permitted to brag on, that we're permitted to boast about. 1 Chronicles 16, 34 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is what? Good. Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is. Good. Psalm 104 through 5 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, praise his name for the Lord is. And his love is eternal and his faithfulness endures to all generations. Over and over and over. You'll find it hundreds of times. If we're going to boast, if we're going to brag, we can boast on the goodness of God. That he's just good. Most of the time when these, when these writers of the Psalms and when these writers of these scriptures were, were saying this, most of the time when they were saying these things, they were in tremendous persecution as well. I think of the prophet Jeremiah. He's in the bottom of a well because he spoke the words of God to Israel saying, we've got to change, we've got to change, we've got to change. He's in the bottom of the well. He's buried up to his neck. He's, he's basically believing that he's going to die. And he's going, oh, the Lord is so good. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've had my well experiences 
Maybe not physically like Jeremiah went through, but I've had my well experiences. And I can tell you when I'm neck deep in my well experience, the last thing that usually comes to my mind is, oh, the Lord is good. But the prophet Jeremiah saw something. He saw that God is good despite my circumstance. The goodness of God is still good despite my circumstance. Let me show you something about the glory of God and the goodness of God and a correlation between those two. You know, we hear all the time that God is all about being glorified. Like we were created to glorify God. He created the universe to give him glory. God is all about his glory. And, and I'll tell you something, he loves it. He loves to be glorified. He's worthy of it. He's the only one who's worthy of it. Amen, church. God is all about his glory. But let me show you something about his goodness and his glory. This is how big of a deal it is. Scripture talks about this over and over and over about his goodness. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus 33. It will be up here as well. And some of you are aware of this passage where Moses is talking with the Lord, and Moses is like, look, if you don't go with us into the promised land, then we'll stay here in the wilderness, because we will not go into the wilderness without you. Because God was going, man, you guys are rebelling against me. Man, I'm just sick and tired of it. You go. I'm going to stay here. And Moses looks at the Lord, and he says, he's talking with the Lord. He says, Lord, if you do not go with us, then I would rather stay in the wilderness that's how good you are. I would rather wander around. That's how good you are. I would rather be in the heat of the day. That's how good you are. I'd rather starve. That's how good you are. And so God says, all right, I'm going to go with you. But Moses says this in, in verse 13. He says, if it is true that you look favorably on me, Lord, let me know your ways. He's crying out to God, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully. God, I know you, you've spoken to me. I get some of the character of who you are, but if you look at me favorably, God, I wanna know you even more. I wanna know you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And then in verse 18, Moses asked the question, so will you please show me your glory? Will you please show me your glory? And God's response in essence was, Moses, you have no idea what you're asking. You have no idea what you're actually, he actually says, no one can see me and live, Moses. But let me tell you, I do have favor on you. I do have favor on you. I think when God sees a guy like Moses whose heart is seeking the way that Moses was seeking Moses, he's like, here's what I'm going to do. If you see me directly, man, it's just, it's, I, my goodness is too much. <laughs> So, so he says, Moses, here, go put, bury your face in that rock. Bury your face in that cliff right there. Don't peek, bury your face. And then I'm gonna come by. And once I come by, I'm gonna remove my hand and you can turn and look at my back. You're gonna forever be changed. You can turn and look at my back. And so here's how the story goes in Exodus 33, verse 18. Moses responded, show me your glory. And in verse 19, this is what the Lord replied. I will make all my goodness pass before you. Somebody say goodness. Isn't that interesting? He didn't say, I'll make all my glory pass before you. He says, I'll make all my goodness. Lord, show me your glory. God says, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will call out my name Yahweh before you, for I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, look, stand near me on this rock. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of this rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. It's interesting that he says, I will pass by you, and it is interesting that he says all my holiness will pass by he doesn't say that it's interesting that he doesn't say look Moses all my compassion is going to pass by you he didn't say that he said show me your glory and God's response is all my goodness will pass by you the glory of the God uh, the glory of the Lord is the goodness of God amen, amen. 
The glory of God, it's, it's his goodness that lavishes kindness. It's his goodness that lavishes love. It's his goodness that gives us mercy. It's his goodness that gives us grace because you and I know we don't deserve it, amen? So the goodness of God is the glory of God. He makes a correlation there. God's response, you wanna see my glory? Here comes my goodness. He asked to see God's glory and it equates it with his goodness. The goodness of God is his glory. God showed him something so amazing. God showed him something so amazing in that moment, it caused Moses' face to glow with the radiance of God's presence, the radiance of God's goodness the rest of his life. If you read on the rest of that, that story, it says that from that point on, Moses' face had a radiance to it because he saw the back of God, and Moses' face would forever have a radiance to it that people noticed that he had been with the goodness of God. I just wonder in this moment, like, like that's Old Testament, here we are, New Testament, God is inside of us. I'm wondering that we would glow, oh, that we would just glow with the presence, with the goodness of God inside of our lives, that we would just glow. Wouldn't that be amazing? If we walked around as people of God and we're glowing because of the goodness of God in our life? Man, are you doing really well? No, my life is absolutely wrecked, but God is good. <laughs> oh, man, like things are, I'm just, I feel like my heart is just in a thousand pieces, but God is so good. You guys hear what I'm saying? Like work, finances, family, just drama, 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 but God is so good. I can see it on your face. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be in the drama. I don't want to be in the financial issues. I don't want to be in the family issues. I don't want drama in my life. I don't want these things in my life. I'm not asking for these things. But when these things are there, God is still good all the time. Amen? And all the time? Amen. And so here's where Moses is at. He's like, look, man, God is good regardless of your circumstance. Because God has two parts to his character here. In Psalm 1, when it talks about God's goodness, it kind of breaks it down into two parts. parts. Psalm 119.60 says, you are good and you do what is good. You are good, God, period, done, you're good. And you do what is good. Let me tell you why that's important. The first half of that verse focuses on the nature of God. Think about it. The original definition of God is that he is good in and of himself, period. He doesn't need help. It's not something where there's God and then he has some goodness to him. He's just good. It radiates from him. Do we hear that? Amen? Like you and I, you and I, goodness is an added quality to our life. Like Aaron has to work on being good. Amen? Just ask my wife, all right? Like we say this to our kids all the time, and my kids say this to me all the time, Dad, I'm going to work on being really good. It's an added quality to our life. God doesn't have to work on being good. Everything that he does is good. So that's one part of it. It's just his character. That's why Mark 10, 18 says, no one is good but one, God. Now there's an action side to that as well. How do you see the true character of a person? You look at their actions. Scripture is chocked full of all of God's kindness and his mercy and his steadfast love and his generosity. Even though we don't deserve it, he still lavishes it up upon us. Have you ever thought of God as being generous to you that he's for you? Can you believe that when he looks at all of us and he sees the baggage and he sees the junk and he sees the hang-ups in our life, his first thought is, oh, I can't wait to be generous to you. I can't wait to pour myself out. I can't wait to show you my goodness. Not because you deserve it, not because you did something, not because you earned it. Just can't wait to lavish upon you my goodness in extravagant ways. Like God is up there plotting your good. He's not up there plotting your demise. Unlearn that, amen? amen. God's not up there plotting your demise. 
God is up there plotting your good. Oh, what can I do to show them my goodness? And when circumstances come into our life and it's not like it doesn't feel good, then what we get to see when we see his goodness is even though I'm in it, oh, but that tastes so much better. Oh, but his goodness is so much better. It shows us the distinction between life and him. God is up there and he wants you to hear this morning that maybe your circumstances are hard and your options seem like it would be really tough right now. If I said God is good, some of you guys, you, you can't say all the time. Right now, some of you guys feel that way. You can't say all the time. And if that's you this morning, I want you to hear that even despite that, God is good. Go on to read Graham Cook. He had this quote, and he says, we are not being challenged. Listen to this. This was powerful. We are not being challenged by our circumstances or even the enemy. We're not being challenged by their circumstances. Look, Jesus says, I've overcome the world. Amen? Jesus has overcome the enemy. Graham says, I'm not being challenged by our circumstances or even the enemy. We are really being challenged by the goodness of God. He is using every opportunity to reveal more of his goodness to us, and there is no need to focus on anything else. The challenges that we're facing, the issues that we're facing, it's so that God can continue to lavish his good upon you, so that instead of just saying, I just don't know if he's good, you can look at your circumstance and go, this is junk, but he is good. This is junk, but he is good. I don't want this. I want him. Amen? It pushes us to him. He goes on. He says, you have a choice. You're either going to use your circumstances to challenge the promise, or you're going to use your promise to challenge the circumstance. I'm going to say that again. So the promise is, is that God is for us and not against us. The promise is that Romans 8, 28, God is working all things together for the good of those who love him are called according to his purposes. So listen to what he says again. You either going to use your circumstance. Oh, I'm wrecked, man. It's one of those, oh, my heart, I'm torn to pieces. You're going to use your circumstance to challenge the promise. So if because I'm so wrecked, I just don't know if your promise is good. I just don't know your promise is for me. You're either going to challenge that or on the other side, you're going to use your promise. God is for me and not against me to challenge your circumstance. I've got a circumstance in my life, but God says he's for me and not against me. Amen. Amen. God says he's for me and not against me. God says he lavishes his love upon me. God says he has a, a plan for me, not to harm me, but to prosper me and give me a future. I'm going to cling to his promise over my circumstance. Because at the end of the day, my promise that God has given me is going to challenge my circumstance. These things, Jesus says in John 16, 33, these things I have spoken to you that in me, somebody say in me, you may have peace. In me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have trial. In the world, you have tribulation. In the world, you will have trouble. In the world, it will be an absolute dogfight. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Let me just tell you what Jesus loves to do. He loves to come in your life as the overcomer. And how can he come in your life as the overcomer if we don't go through circumstances? Jesus loves to show up and be the overcomer in your life. And so for many of us, it feels like it's the best times and it's the worst of times, but I promise you this, if you know God's goodness, you will push through. Real quickly, oh wow, real quickly, okay. Let me share two things about God's goodness real quick. God's goodness is every day, you can see it through everyday blessings around us. Psalm 145, nine says, the Lord is good to everyone. Somebody say everyone. everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. You point to yourself, you're part of everyone. Again, some of you have this mentality, when you read that the Lord is good to everyone except for me, right? 
He goes on in, in, in verse 14, and he, says, we re, uh, and he says, the Lord always keeps his promise. He is gracious in all he does. The Lord helps the fallen. He lifts those that are bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all, uh, the, the eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them f- their food in their time of need. When you open your hand, you satisfy their hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. Every relationship, every job, every tree, every taste of something good, every pleasure, every friend, all the flowers in the field, all of those are a reminder of God's compassion for us, of God's goodness for us. Everywhere you look around, you will be able to see that God loves you and his goodness is all around you. David says it in Psalm 19. He was taken up. He says, the skies display your craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make known who you are. They speak, with the sound. They, they speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth. And the words to all of the world, God has made a home in the heavens. Think about this. I was reading this article, and it said, think about the goodness of God just in everyday life. When you consider that our planet is 93 million miles away from the sun, And if the sun was any closer to the earth, we would burn up. If we were any further away from the sun, we would freeze. His unfailing love endures forever. Amen? Our planet is exactly 23 degrees on its axis. That's what gives us four seasons, winter, summer, autumn, and spring in the year. If it was tilted farther away from the sun, or our earth would freeze over in, in, in big, huge continents of uh, pieces of ice. His mercy endures forever. If you look at the moon tonight, think about this fact. It is, the, it is at the exact distance from the earth to give us two ocean tides a day. That is why we're not all drowned. Do I hear an amen to that? Come on. If it were any greater or lesser distance, the earth would be completely flooded. His unfailing love endures forever. Even in creation, the ocean floor, as it, its deepest depth gives us oxygen for all of us to breathe, which sustains plant life and animal life alike. But if the depth were any different, the air we breathe would actually poison us. We would not be able to live. His steadfast love endures forever. The atmosphere around us is the exact density to keep meteors and space objects from hitting us. They burn up in our atmosphere. If it were any thinner, we would be constantly bombarded by objects from outer space. Because his loving kindness, his tender mercies, his unfailing love, his steadfast grace endures forever. Do we see God in the everyday? Amen. Some of you are like, well, what about the, the necessities of my life? What about the, the food and clothing that I, what about all those things? He talks about all that. Philippians, my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. Jesus says it in Matthew 26, why do you worry about life? What do you, what, what do you eat? What do you wear? Isn't life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in their barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And here's the most important thing. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? So at this, just, just, just at the, the, the blink, looking around, just at the, the eye contact of everything around us, looking at the stars and, and the skies, looking how the earth was formed, looking at all those things, we see the goodness of God. But then if, if that's still not convincing to you, the best goodness of God thing that we have is that Jesus came, that God sent himself, amen? The goodness is through his son Jesus. It's the best representation of, his, of himself, of, of his goodness, Jesus comes down. God in flesh comes down. He demonstrates his desire of his love for us by pouring himself out that we can have life. And there's three things, and you probably know these things, but I'm just going to reiterate these for you today. Three things that Jesus brought when he came down. He took the judgment that our sins deserved upon himself. Romans 5.8, God proves his own love for us that while we were still in sin, that while we were still messed up, that while we were still broken, Christ died for us. His death for us is this picture where we're not earning anything. 
We're not trying hard enough. He's just coming in and taking it for us. Not only does he give himself to us, but he gives us everything else that we need as well. Romans 8, 31 says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave himself up for us, won't he also give us everything else? In other words, God has given us the biggest thing, but he cares about the small things as well. Jesus makes God good. Jesus makes a way for goodness for us to God. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, for all of God's promises have been filled in Christ with a resounding Yes. Look, so how do, how do we respond to this? Real quick, I know we're out of time. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come up. Band, you guys can come up, and somebody needs to turn the AC on in this joint. Um, <laughs> I want to I tell you, how do we respond to this? Let me tell you what we didn't tell the kids. We didn't tell the kids at VBS, hey, God is good. When life is unfair, God is good if you come to church. We didn't tell the kids, hey, when, 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 when life is good, God is good if you go to Bible study. We didn't tell you, hey, when, when, when life changes, God is good if you read your Bible more often. That's not what we told the kids. We said, look, when life is unfair, God is good, period. When life changes, God is good, period. When life is scary, God is good, period. Here's why that's so important. Our response to God's goodness is not to say, okay, God, I'm going to try to earn your goodness back again because I feel like I've been out of your goodness. You're not out of his goodness. You may be going down paths that are leading to your own destruction, but you're not out of his goodness. So here's the thing with that. Our response to God's goodness is simply to rest. Our response to God's goodness is not to try harder. Our response to goodness, God's goodness is to rest. When adversity comes, when circumstances come, when trials come, when difficulties come, we just rest in that moment and go, Lord, I feel like I have been wrecked, but you are still good. Because what you'll start to see is not the storm that's brewing around you, but Jesus sleeping in the boat. What you'll start to see is not the storm clouds that are building and the waves that are capsizing over your boat. What you'll see is Jesus is sleeping at the front of my boat. He's resting. I'm going to go rest with him. Because if he's sleeping, then I can sleep beside him. Amen? Because if he's resting, then I can rest. So our response to God's goodness is that we get a rest. And our other response to God's goodness is that we get to step out in faith. When you believe that God is good all the time, it frees you. It frees you to take ever-increasing steps of faith. Psalm 8411, close out with this, says, For the Lord God is the Son. He illuminates the path that I should take. He's a shield. He protects me. The Lord gives grace and glory. He does not withhold the good things from those who live with integrity. So here's what I'm going to ask you, or here's what I'm going to tell you, here's what I'm going to challenge you. Does your face, like Moses in Exodus 30, does your face shine with the goodness of God? And I want you to hear this. The goodness of God isn't a formula. We're not trying to formula this thing. We're not trying to figure out how to get more of goodness of God. What does that look like? The goodness of God is not a formula. The goodness of God is a way of thinking in the right perspective of who he is. Amen. So this morning as we close out, I want to challenge you, if you don't know that goodness, if right now your focus is that you don't know that goodness, if you can't shout out with that resounding, God is good all the time and all the time, God is good, if that's not where your heart is, we've got a prayer team up here, they want to pray over you. Because outside of coming in that to relationship with Jesus and coming to know Him, the number one thing that we need to do is know that God is good all the time. 
Let me pray this over today. Father, we're going to close out, but as we close out, I pray if there's anybody in this place, Jesus, that does not know your goodness or that God right now is not experiencing that goodness, that, Father, you would break open the heavens today and you would remind them that even in their, their mess, even in their circumstance, even in their issue, even whatever it is that they're going through, that, God, your goodness is still there. You've not withdrawn yourself. You haven't taken yourself away. You're there. And that we just need to focus, Father, that in that moment, you're still good despite whatever it is. You're still good. You're still good. Your mercies are still new every day. So today, God, I pray that with a resounding yes, with all of us in this room, we can shout out, God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. We got to stand. We're going to close out with just this last song real quickly. The altar's open if you want to come. Spend some time with the Lord. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.